Hello everyone and welcome back. It's been a while since it's just been me and you. So thank you for being here and I'm really excited to share what we're gonna talk about a little bit today. I've done a lot of interviews with other people talking about what exactly they do there in their day to day. So I wanted to talk a little bit more about what I do in a day to day and what it actually looks like, what skills and skill sets I've needed to obtain to actually thrive in the setting that I'm in. Hi everyone, and welcome back to my channel. My name is Lena Marie Solid at Tech Guru. I wanna thank you so much for spending time with me on this journey, for all the support that you give me, and for following along. Don't forget to hit the thumbs up button, subscribe, and let's get ready to do this. First and foremost, this YouTube video is not sponsored by anyone. Nobody pays me to do it. It's something I've just put out content-wise to help others like you who are out there have success while in the classroom, outside of the classroom, or, or wherever you may land in the ed tech education space. So first, let's talk a little bit about what did I actually do when I was at CodeMonkey and what exactly did my job entail? At CodeMonkey, when I first stepped foot in the door at my previous role, I was a professional development sales split. So my goal was to create the professional development and webinars and things like that, and also to create a sales pipeline. When I walked in, I had no leads in my pipeline. There was nothing there. And my first year of sales was actually devastatingly low. And when I mean devastatingly low, I mean, I had one sale the whole year and it was a very, very low sale that like the commission wasn't even worth it. But what I did do during that time is I really got to hone in on the professional development side of things. And we developed a set of webinars and we had no PD before that. So we kind of developed and sat down, what do we need? What do we need to evaluate? And so what I actually did is I actually started to meet with and start evaluating some data. So we built a Google Analytics board. We could see how far people had been getting throughout the program and throughout the platform. And then we could also reach out to those people and ask them to basically do some informal interviews with us to kind of give us some feedback on, on how they were progressing throughout the product and what they actually needed from that. From there, I put together a professional development strategy and kind of worked with other people. Now I, coming in, had some coding experience and had taught coding background, but I was by no means a computer science expert. So that required me to upskill. So I would get books, I would practice how to do computer science on my own. I made sure that I completed all of the courses and read through all the lesson plans. And I really just had to upskill and I had to upskill quite quickly. There wasn't a lot of time to like mess around or figure out what to do there. Um, in the interim, there were some changes kind of in the business. I also would go to every single conference. I booked the conferences, I um, budgeted for them, I booked flights, I did all of that. I also had, um, at a certain point, because we were a startup, I would carry the expenses. Now, and that's not typically traditional, but they would pay me back, obviously, for them. But I would carry some sort of expenses. Um, there's also a bit when you travel of how much per diem you get and how much they're paying for your travel expenses. So there was all of that. And while all this was going on in my first three years, we also, within my first six months, had launched a teacher ambassador program. So at the very start, we had about 45 teacher ambassadors and we really had to hone in on what was it that we wanted? What were we looking for? So we were about constantly pivoting and evaluating and figuring out what was the best way to do certain things. In all of that, I was also working with the product managers and the dev team to figure out what features and things were missing and what teachers needed so I can inform them on that. But it was all strictly, and everything that I do is strictly data-driven. Can't just come to a developer and be like, hey, 
make this change. That's not how it works. There's a lot of money and time that go into making these decisions. There were also quite a few other teachers who had been on staff or had worked in the education space in some sort of form of capacity. So that was really nice to be with other like-minded individuals. I also help with marketing. I also help with email communication or what we call life cycle. So that means creating the emails that would go out to our users. I also wrote all of the webinars, delivered all of the webinars, and I did that for all of our, you know, our small staff of people. So over my time at CodeMonkey, I really learned vast amount of skills. When I did first join, the company was really, really small. There weren't a lot of benefits that were offered, but I knew that in order to take a step forward, I needed to take a step back. And that's just the truth and reality of, of what it looks like in a business setting. And sometimes, you know, I know teachers are making a lot of money at some of their businesses, but for me, it was just, how was I going to get to the next level while I was unhappy in the classroom and knew that there was more opportunities and I could really make a difference from the outside. It was really not really money driven for me. If things become money driven for you, that's where it's going to be a really big sticking point and hard to kind of maneuver one way or another. Obviously the money is helpful and it's nice to feel secure and that sort of a thing, but you shouldn't solely ever be driven just by money because that can really lead you to make very bad choices. I mean, if you think about a gambler, they're driven by money and the, and the thrill of it. And that doesn't necessarily mean long-term success for them. So that's kind of what you have to kind of look for and kind of set those goals in the interim. While that was all going on, I was still running my meetup group through at Tech Austin. It wasn't solely mine, but I was a contributor and ended up being the lead, the lead facilitator, I guess you would say for, for the, all of the meetups and things like that. So I was doing a lot of things to kind of build my portfolio and get you know, get really familiar with what the ed tech space looks like on the other side. I knew what it looked like as an educator, as I had worked with a lot of ed tech companies, I had launched a lot of products, we had given a lot of feedback, I've sat in a lot of product roundtables, all of those types of things. So it wasn't anything that I wasn't super familiar with. However, my skill set as a teacher, I really had to hone in, understand, go to the bathroom, I could communicate how best to communicate, what's the best way to do it. And I also was working with an international team. So it was also that other level of communication. But my lens of being a teacher really lent itself well to being in this ed tech setting. Now I left CodeMonkey and I, and I still have a very big piece of my heart for CodeMonkey because they really gave me the opportunity to shine and to thrive and to take risks. And that's sometimes not something you may see in more of like a legacy-based company. Now in my role at Canva for Education, I am part of the Canva for Education team, which is part of Canva. So there are two basically different sets of products. The Canva for Education, which is part of the Force for Good, means it's free for all educators to use. Very, very passionate about that because I think the skill sets that students learn in Canva are something that can transcend the whole landscape for forever. So we are quite a small team on the Canva for Education side versus the other side. While the company has 3,000 employees, um, the Canva for Education team is quite small. Um, it's quite a newer product and so we're just learning and iterating as we kind of go. And same thing that I did at CodeMonkey, I'm doing here again, where I'm evaluating feedback and surveys. My job really is to create the trainings in which our facilitators deliver. So I have to look at the product, see where the pain points are for users. Why are they not doing one thing versus doing another? Why are they gearing towards this thing versus another thing? And you really have to go through the data and you have to really dissect it and then create these trainings they're going to help teachers use the product because that's the most important part. We wanna show teachers and make teachers' lives easier. And so that's really what I do. I'm still communicating with other teams in the business. I work with a product team. We work with the socials team. We work with the communities team. At CodeMonkey, that was me doing all the other teams with 
a small team of people. There were only 13 of us. So it was very, very small. And now we have other teams. We have product teams, lifecycle teams, someone who does emails, someone who does social media and strategy. We have a PR team. We have an events team. And so it's been really great. And I really appreciate what Canva for Education has offered. However, in the interim, there have been a lot of times where I've had imposter syndrome. I've been sitting in the room with people who've come from Airbnb and Google and it just made me think like, oh my gosh, I'm, I was just a teacher just a few years ago sitting here and now I'm sitting next to these big wigs in a room. And it's really been quite humbling for me to kind of put myself back in a position and then figure out what I can do to upscale. So I realized that I've been out of the classroom for a bit of time. So how do I connect with educators? I need to communicate with our facilitators. I need to talk to our ambassadors. I need to attend conferences or virtual conferences. I need to be part of Twitter chats. So those are all ways that like I'm upskilling constantly to make sure I am still abreast of all of the trends uh, that are happening in the education space because or else I'm going to be like a mummy. I'm just going to be dead. There's no point of me being able to inform if I'm not learning as they're learning. So I really try to participate as much as I can. I reach out to other people. Sometimes I'll cold reach out to people on LinkedIn and be like, hey, do you mind if I pick your brain for a minute? And I'll really try to pick people's brain to try to give me some perspective of what's going on in the teaching landscape and, and that sort of a thing. Throughout the years, I've built a lot of relationships via LinkedIn, via the EdTech Meetup group and in person at conferences. I really tried to make a point going to booths, speaking to the other vendors, seeing what their product was about, their pitches, how the work-life balance was, so that if ever an opportunity has come open, which there have been a few of those, I know whether I would like to go work at those companies or not work at those companies and why or why not. And so really taking that opportunity to network as much as possible is really, really important. And I'm also trying to put out content constantly so that I can still stay relevant as much as I can. Now I get really busy as everybody else does. So I may not be contributing as much as I should be. And I know that, but I do try to do my best as where I can balancing family and work life and and the different demands that come come with all of those things. So I hope that kind of gives you a bit of insight into like what it looks like and what I did need to do, you know, standards, just like all of those types of things. I'm, I'm always iterating, always failing. That happens and just learning from those failures. There's been times where I've just cried so hysterically that I think I've done the worst job. Yes. Sometimes you just have to pick yourself up, cry it out, get over it and move on and see how you can kind of connect with other people. And sometimes I'll connect with other teams. Sometimes I'll connect with other people outside of the business, just kind of to, to build those relationships, just like I would in the classroom. They're really, really important for success and, and that sort of a thing. So if I could personally, me, give a lot of tips to teachers who are looking to make the transition, one is there's never just one pathway in. I would say choose a lane. And why we tell you to choose a lane is because it's really hard to understand what you're capable of and what you're passionate at. We want you to come in and be passionate about what you're doing. Now that doesn't always work out all the time, but if you can really stay in one lane and figure out which way is the best way for you, it's going to give you a good way to kind of dial in, tell your story. If you choose five different pathways, you have to tell five different stories and that can be really overwhelming. That's why we tell you to choose a pathway. Now, will I say that you can't get into customer success or you can't get into ID or can't get into project management? That's not true, but I would say ID and project management are probably the most competitive landscapes. There's not a lot of IDs. A lot of times they're contract positions and contracting positions is definitely the way to go with project management. It's probably better to start as a customer success person or even a sales member to kind of move into product management. Basically, you're, you're managing a lot of money with a lot of risk. 
for people. And so if you don't have a lot of experience in that, you do need to go and hone in on more of like a smaller type company for like a product management role or even project management. It's just because there's risk. And so they just want to make sure that you have a lot of that. So make sure that you're able to accurately tell your hustle and all of those types of things. And then just making sure to network. I've been doing a real poor job of networking lately and connecting with others. And it's just transitioning into the new role of Canva has been just a big change for me in my life. And and lots of things have happened. I got married, I got a puppy, I have a house. It's just a whole new transition of life. We moved to a new location. So things have just kind of varied as, as throughout my life here. So, and I like to be as transparent as possible. And so you've kind of seen that struggle probably over the last few months of, of where I've been going, but I'm really trying to get back into the networking and bringing people on and wanting to hear their stories and, and those types of things. And, and networking really is the biggest essential. And, and I know a lot of people have misconceptions about things. Be really careful when you are LinkedIn, LinkedIn-ing um, and connecting with people. I mean, it's really important. Please, I, I got this the other day. Someone just sent me their resume and said, hey, if there's any opportunity that can, but I'd love for you to look at my resume. I just mean this in a nice way, but nobody's going to go out on a limb for you. Think about teaching. If you didn't know anyone, someone referred a friend of a friend. Would you bring them into your classroom to work with your students? It's the same sort of thing. You want to have some experience and exposure with that person beforehand. Now, once you meet, you you know, there may be some opportunities and be like, oh my gosh, this person is an absolute best gem, best fit, then send your resume. They'll ask for it if they really want it or to see it. And if you're wanting help, know that it's probably going to come with some paid time. I, I put out content and I want that to be the exposure and opportunity that I'm creating for you. But if I'm going to be renewing a resume and spending a lot of intention, that can be a few hours to spend and take out of my traditional day that I'm spending with you. And so I think just be mindful of that. And, and anyone that you do network, please send a follow-up email. I know it sounds silly, but it goes way farther than you would think. It is time and time is money for everybody in any landscape. And so you're taking your time, but we're also taking our time. And while we want to give you the time, just a simple thank you and a follow-up. I can't tell you how many I don't get. And I send a bunch of resources and different things like that. And, and it's tough and it's a, sometimes can be frustrating because you feel like somebody is just using you for your opinions and things like that. But we do this because we're passionate about it. We want to help you. We want you to find happiness because we know it's out there. Whatever that looks like, stay in teaching. Don't stay in teaching. It doesn't matter. Just know that there are always opportunities out there for everybody and it can be a little bit tricky. Easiest and quickest way to do something is networking and then really hone into that LinkedIn profile piece of things. That's the most important part. Can you translate yourself quickly? That's where recruiters are spending time. That's where founders are spending their time. Everyone is spending time looking there. That is the go-to resource. I hope that this helped and I really enjoyed spending some time with you guys today. Please do reach out to me with any questions. I'm really happy to be here as much as I can and I have some fun things in the works and I can't wait to share that all with you guys. Thank you so much for spending time with me as always. I really, really, really do appreciate it. And we'll see you guys next time. Bye everybody. Thank you so much. You've made it this far. We are so thankful that you're here. Make sure to hit the subscribe button, thumbs up, comment below, and join us for all of our next videos. Thank you so much for joining us as we disrupt education together. See you guys soon. Bye everybody.